can one generation change the world? Let's see with Eliana Goldstein here on episode 46 of the No Boring Stories podcast. Let's get into it. Welcome to the No Boring Stories podcast. You know that you can use storytelling to captivate your audience, clarify your message, and grow your business and impact like never before. That's why I'm here. Each episode bringing you transformative stories, expert storytellers, and my signature storytelling tools all to help you tell a better story. Because there's no such thing as boring stories, just boring storytellers. I'm your host, Alex Street, and Technically, I'm a millennial, but I'm like right on the edge. I'm an exennial, somewhere around there at 38 years old. I don't know. But today on the show, we have a millennial expert. Eliana Goldstein is a millennial success coach, helping individuals transform their careers to find and land well-paid careers that they love so they no longer dread Monday. Ooh, this is a good conversation. Eliana and I dig right into her story, why she cares about what she does right now, and ultimately finding authenticity as the most important thing in our world. There are so many nuggets of gold within this conversation, and you are going to love how we find her story aligning with her work today. If something stands out in this conversation, don't forget to share this, rate and review this. I am so grateful that you're here and that you are participating and that you're in part of these not boring stories. Now, please enjoy this conversation with Eliana Goldstein. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? I'm fantastic. I am pumped for this conversation because you are doing something what I love about what you do, uh, before we get into it, is that you're focused on a specific like generational need. Yes. And uh, that is a part of my story as well as kind of doing this thing. How do I focus? I had something focused on Gen Z for a while. Uh, you're focusing on millennials. And we'll get into what that is and, and why and all of that. But uh, right off the bat... I'm just like, yes, I'm excited to get into this conversation. And and, and I feel a, a kindred spirit there. <laughs> I love it. I'm so, so excited. So this is good. Yeah. And so we will get into your story and everything. But but um, I want to start here and, and in the spirit of understanding you a little bit more. One of the questions that I asked you ahead of time was, what is one of your favorite stories of all time? <laughs> yeah. And you said. The Nightingale. So tell me about this. I don't know what this is. Um, and maybe people are like, Alex, you don't know. Are you kidding me? But here I am. It's called The Nightingale by Kristen Hanna. And she is a pretty popular author. She writes a lot of historical fiction. And historical fiction just happens to be like my favorite genre of books. Yeah. Um, but this book in particular takes place during World War II. It's based on these two sisters in France and kind of like their story and everything that they go through and I think it's for me I've always like really gravitated towards like World War II historical fiction Hmm. um my grandmother was in was in the holocaust like I have family and everything so I think that like ever since I was little I was always just obviously fascinated I don't know if fascinated is the right word but I was always kind of very like taken with this time period and everything. And I thought this was just a very well-written book and I really like her style and it's female heroines. And so yeah. I just really resonated with it. 
I love because right. So what you just brought in there is you, you can very easily say like, ah, it was a fun movie to watch or it was yeah. a fun book to read, you know, is yeah. whatever it is that it's just like it entertained me. But of course, yeah. no, when we talk about like the favorite ones, your favorite yeah. stories of all time, you're like, because it's about this. But I, I see us, I see my, I see my, what I love about this within right. that story. Exactly. exactly. Do you find that it's like the stories that you heard about your grandmother and, and, and any of that, do you find that you like, you find elements of it within this that I you're think, like, oh yeah. You know, I mean, I'm sure to a degree, I think you kind of just, I think it's like you wonder, oh, did she experience something like this or was yeah. she ever in situations like that? So I think it just makes you think, wow, like it's really amazing insane what humans have experienced and just I don't know I just always find her books like very relatable and very well written and just you know just like like good really nice time pieces I don't know I, I like I love a lot of her books I just read another one of her books recently so and I just like I love anything historical fiction like I, I love that genre what, yeah so and specifically World War Two, you're saying World War Two for sure like and really like the one that I just read was more it was in um it's like during the gold rush when everyone's migrating to California. Yeah. So I like anything that's like a timepiece that has really good stories and good characters, but I also feel like I'm learning something in it. I, right, that's right. what I really, really enjoy. Yeah. It's so, yeah. There's something really interesting about that. I mean, really it's, it's so much of the work that I do with people as well is taking like, here's this, this, this time that we're in that we've all been through together yeah. And, and within that, within that context that we all know what that is, you know, people tell their stories now and they're like, yeah, you know, and then I had a job and then the recession happened. Yeah. And we all go, oh, okay. So there's the time. Yeah. There's the history. But now I'm getting insight into one person's story within that thing that we all experienced. Exactly. Is yeah. really, it's, it's immediate relatability. Mm -hmm. And then this this depth of insight, as you say, it's like, now I get to go even deeper and pretend like see what somebody else experienced. Exactly. exactly. Whether you were there or not, and you weren't there for the gold rush, but now you get, yeah, you're like, now I get to learn about this experience that I wasn't there right. for and follow this one story throughout. Yeah. Well, so here we are in we 2022 are. and yeah, we get your story. We get, we get to hear where you are in this world that we are all a part of in pandemic yeah. life and whatever that experience is like for anybody. Yeah. Um, tell me, what is it that you do now yeah. and what impact do you see that having? And really try to stick on like, you know, now as you, what you do now and as you go forward, uh, yeah. what do you do? So I am a millennial success coach, and in that role, I really primarily work with millennials on their careers, on really creating yeah. careers that they love, that they're excited about, that they're well paid for, that get them excited to go to work on Monday mornings. We all know like the typical Sunday scaries that plague so many of us. So really, I have I have my belief is that we can create careers that we find more fulfillment in and that we find more connection in. It's yeah. just about figuring out how to do that. And I think, you know, as we're talking about, you know, time and where we are right now, what's so important to me with this work and why I think it's so impactful is because we're seeing, you know, right now, like the direct results of, you know, a disengaged workforce and people mm -hmm. who are 
unhappy in what they're doing and disconnected from what they're doing and why the great resignation is happening, right? In this post-pandemic world, we've seen the impact that that's had on everybody and why people are leaving their their jobs in droves. And I yeah. think it's really significant. Um, and so my work is to be able to make a larger impact to help people you know, whether it's return to the workforce, whether it's start a side hustle, whether it's build a business, create that sense of fulfillment so they don't have that dread. Um, and that's really kind of like what I find to be my purpose and my impact. Is. So so you look at this like there's this big thing going on, the great yeah. resignation. There's there's there and there's just this millennials in the workforce. Then we go down again. Let's let's go down a generation to Gen Z yep. who are. Yep just entering the workforce and this is what they're coming into this is what they're trying to navigate and um as you look at that big thing mm -hmm. i think what i heard from you is like there is an opportunity to actually affect that the the big scale thing here mm -hmm. you see that is that right yep. Absolutely. I really do. I think that we're like at this crazy turning point that was kind of brought on by the pandemic where yeah. it's sort of like twofold in the sense that I think individuals are going to be starting to approach their careers and their jobs differently. And I think employers and companies are starting to recognize that there are changes that need to be made in how they approach employees and how yeah. they create, you know, work-life balance and all those things. So it's like all these things coming into play right now that I think are being changed and impacted, which is And you, and then you step into that to I'm say, like, I, I see a different future and I'm stepping in, uh, to help, you know, any given individual, yep. 32 year old mm -hmm. feel what you said fulfilled would that be the ultimate goal like what what happens when somebody works with you and then they start to find their career finally mm -hmm. of choice yep uh they feel i'd say fulfilled i think it's like i i use the word a lot to like alignment just mm -hmm. feeling super aligned with what they're doing because i think that a lot of the discontent is due to a lack of alignment doing work that you don't really enjoy that frankly you're not really good at that doesn't really lean into your skill set so yeah. when you change that you can feel that sense of alignment is that how you feel right now doing this work oh yeah absolutely i feel extremely aligned in the work that i do right now yeah yeah right so so this is this is where it's magical right because of course you're trying to get people to feel that same feeling that you feel and the question mm -hmm. for me then is if that's where you are now and that's what you're doing with this massive mission yeah. and on an individual basis, like, you know, one at a time, we're going to affect the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Ultimately towards this goal of feeling aligned. Yeah. Where does that idea of alignment go back now, back in the story mm -hmm. for you, whether it's little girl Eliana or it's, you know, it's, it's high school. Yeah. Where does that idea of feeling aligned first show up for you? That as a desire of like, oh, I just, I feel out of place or I feel disconnected. Mm -hmm. I feel like what people are telling me to do is not what I want to do. Yeah. You know, what's what's yeah. coming up as as you think about that early on? Yeah. What's such up? a good question, you know? I mean, I think there's just probably like comes up at a lot of different points. But I think as you were kind of saying all of this, I was thinking back to high school, my high school self. And, yeah. you know, I think that 
if you told me in high school that I'd be doing what I do now, I would be like, oh, what? No chance. Like, there's no way. I think I was always very quiet, very shy, very self-conscious and insecure about what people Mm -hmm. thought about me. Like, I was the girl that was too afraid to raise her hand in class because my question was stupid and all that stuff. And I think that there was almost like this part of me that knew that I was meant for more and that I had a larger purpose, but I almost felt like nervous and shy to really show what it was. And I think I sometimes would like have a reputation almost of being like a little bit ditzy in school or saying Mm -hmm. stupid things. And then I felt really self-conscious about that. And as a result, I think I was always like trying to prove my worthiness and prove that I was super, super smart and, you know, how do you prove that if you're not like raising your hand and asking questions and doing it publicly in that sort of way, communicating like that, what, what kind of efforts did you, do you remember kind of putting forth to, to prove that you are good enough? So I think that like, it will really like when I got into school, in college. So yeah. for university, I actually went to McGill. And I think that was like a big thing for me that I, you know, got into what was, you know, considered the Harvard of Canada. And it's yeah. a really good school. And that was my way of showing, wow, I'm smart. I have worth. I have value. And then I got into the business program at McGill and I was, you know, get, getting my bachelor of commerce and I was doing all these things. And the funny part was it was to be able to prove myself and move into this sense of alignment and purpose Yet I wasn't really doing that at the same time. And I kept like building and scaling in this career and having the success that I desired and that I thought would make me feel really good and purposeful and aligned, but it just wasn't happening. And, you know, I did well, I graduated, I had a market, I was a marketing major, I moved into account management and sales and I grew and I scaled and all these things. And I still felt this sense of like lack of alignment. And I still felt like I was doing the wrong thing. And it all just kept building up and probably from this effort to really prove to everybody that I was worthwhile um, until I like really reached a breaking point. And that was probably about, you know, four years ago now where I just said, I cannot do this for the rest of my life. I can't. Okay. It just okay, we're going to pause there because I want you to not yeah, pause yeah. the interview. I'm, I want to pause the story because yeah. um, that's like amazing. You're now bringing us up to this point and we're going to come back to that because okay. you're like, I cannot do this anymore, but yeah. I don't want to miss some of the things that you hit along the way because people are going to hear the story that you just said and find themselves in it. Absolutely. And say that was me in high school. No doubt. I was trying to be this person or I was the quiet. Everyone thought that I was the quiet one, but inside I was like screaming, right? It's this like, how can I do better? What can I do? Um, Then you go forward and you're like, I'm still feeling unfulfilled. So what I want to, I want to just draw on those two experiences a little bit more, if we can kind of think high school. Um, Was high school your awkward stage? You're like... (laughs) You You know, know where you cut your hair too short, wore braces or whatever. Like, is that? (laughs) Not really. You know, it's funny. I was like, I was always kind of in the popular crew in high school. And I definitely wouldn't say that I was awkward. But I was always the, like, in my group of, you know, the popular kids. I felt like I was the really quiet one among that group. Like, Mm -hmm. sometimes I think I even felt like I didn't fit into that group. So who who was making you feel like that? You know, like, like, what kind of voice and you know whether you say specific names or whatever I don't care but like that you know who comes to mind is like oh no it was this conversation it was this statement it was this moment that yeah it didn't seem like much at the time but man that still sticks 
oh yeah, there were definitely instances of kids making making fun of me and saying things. There was a teacher that made a really mean comment to me once. So there were definitely comments around just like I said, like almost this like I don't know if the word is ditzy, but this silly kind of and I don't want to say stupid, but stupid reputation of like kind of saying silly things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I definitely had people who made comments about that and made me feel really insecure about some of the things that I said. Yeah. So this is what's fascinating to me, right? So now now we've just opened up this relatability on a whole other level because now you've got this sense of, yeah, there's this idea of like, okay, I was quiet or I was trying to work hard or whatever. But now you've got this like it's because or it's rooted in, mm-hmm. you know, this desire, this understanding, this belief, like I wanted to belong almost. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet like people didn't see me the way that I saw myself essentially mm-hmm. is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Is that fair? Yes. A hundred percent fair. And I think it was almost like I knew that wasn't me, but I started seeing myself the way that others were seeing me because I almost like let their messaging take over me. But then there was that small part of me that said, but that's not really who I am. You know, I know what I have to offer. I know I'm smart. I know I'm worthy. So it was almost like an internal conflict for me to a degree. I mean, this is getting me that that just gave me chills because you think about millennials, like, let's just go outside of your story here for a second and think about how generations have been defined the last 15 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Just even the effort to define generations by their you know, who they are, but then specifically by how they act. And I mean, again, take us out of the story for a second and give us some insight here for just a minute on how, give me two definitions. What is kind of the classic idea of millennials in the workplace and whether it's the same or it's different, how do you see that, see them? How do you see millennials, you know, in the workplace and going forward? So I think the classic definition, and this is more of the sort of negative derogatory definition that they get from boomers and things like that, is that privileged, lazy, entitled, don't really want to do the work, but still want to get paid well for it, can't deal with criticism, all those different types of things, you know, Mm -hmm. like, oh, this this is what's wrong with your generation and and that sort of connotation. what I really define millennials as, as people that are extremely, that, that, that desire recognition, right? That want to work extremely hard, but want to be recognized for that, right? That want to be able to, you know, they crush it on a project, have some positive recognition and reinforcement for that. Mm-hmm. And I think millennials are people that want to be able to grow and scale. They want to say, if I'm going to be here and I'm going to work hard, I want to know that I can be here in five years from now and 10 years from now and see that internal growth path and growth trajectory. Millennials also love to learn. Like they want to, you know, focus on their learning and their development and their growth in companies. And all that is, is, is really important to them. And I frankly think that all those things should be top priorities for individuals right. for companies and that's like really how i see the that's it's so beautiful i mean i just love it so much because the, again the work that i was doing for a while uh with a company called gen z matters and it was really you know pushing similar ideas and what one of my main ideas was what they want is what everyone wants if we focus on 
you know, this generation's desires and needs coming in, they are going to thrive. But guess what? We're all going to thrive because we all want coaching. We all want um, to be a part of something with a purpose. We all want accountability. Like the things that you just said about millennials, everybody, every age is going to say, oh, yeah, me too. What do you mean? Yeah. Yeah. So, and what just jumped out to me about you and your story and seeing that match up is you said about your high school years was like, it felt like the the labels that were being put upon me, Mm -hmm. like that's not me. Yeah. And how do I go for, how do I go through this and, and prove that it's not me. And yet at the same time, I guess, I guess maybe I, maybe I am that you said you started to believe some of those things and then live and then adapt and adopt some of those beliefs about yourself. And I just think that we see that exact exactly replicated within an entire generation. Would you agree? And Oh my gosh, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think too, that's why, you know, so many individ- individuals that I work with or who come to me and want to change feel super guilty about making that change because they say, is this selfish of me to want this? Right. Because they've been told you're asking for too much and right. you're so privileged and this and that and all those things. So they think, well, maybe I am really selfish. Like maybe I should just be lucky that I have this job and I'm getting this paycheck and that should be enough. And there's an immense amount of guilt before even being able to take the leap to want to do something better. So it's like all these mindsets that need to be overcome to even just decide, Hey, I want something better for myself first and foremost. That'll preach. So you, <laughs> you, so you go forward then and you decide, all right, well, I'm going to get a, I'm going to go into marketing. I'm going to go into business. Like what, what's that decision? Why that? Why, why lean to that? And again, you know, you said you chose that school because let me prove that I can do this, but, but why that path? So when I got into the business program, it felt like it just made sense. You know, I, I mean, I'm in the business program. I'm obviously going to focus on something within the business world. And I think I just had an affinity towards marketing because I all, I had always loved like understanding people and almost, you know, to agree consumer behavior. And if I wasn't in marketing, I probably would have been in psychology and it Mm -hmm. felt like marketing was kind of like the closest fit. Mm -hmm. And so I just started going on that path and taking all those different types of classes. And I remember too, there was, talking about like proving my worth and recognizing that I had something more powerful to say, there was a situation where there was a class I was in, it was in my fourth year. And I had to do a presentation in front of the whole class. It was like brand marketing. And obviously I was so nervous to do that. Yeah. Um, But I went up and I did that presentation. And at the very end, one of the kids in the class came up to me and said, he pulled me to the side and he said, I just want to tell you, you're a really good presenter. You're a Uh. very public speaker. And I remember that I'll never forget that. I'll really never forget that. And I said, wow, that was like a lot of the confirmation that I probably been looking for for so long. And I remember after that presentation thinking to myself, oh, I actually really did enjoy that. And it wasn't just me who thought that somebody else thought I did a really good job too. And that kind of like led into this marketing sales trajectory because I recognized I really liked public speaking and I liked getting up and presenting in front of people. So that was like a very kind of pivotal moment for me that I remember. I mean, just, just look at that, how, how that also comes out of this, this story of being told when you do speak up, you say silly things. 
Mm-hmm. And now you hear this voice. I got up and spoke and somebody said, you're amazing. You got this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, there that now breaks this trend. That now, that now puts pause on this tape. Yep. Yeah. And is going to play a new one, mm-hmm. which says, I can do this. And yeah. I mean, as you show up today, right? I mean, incredibly well-spoken, eloquent, energetic, all these things. Of course, this is who you are. This is what you've got. And yet, at some point, that was, they tried to squash that in you. Yeah, exactly. And all it takes is like a single conversation yeah. to spark it back up. Conversation and a single compliment. And that's why I always mm. say to people, it's so important. If you think something positive about another person, we're so quick to say the negative, right? But if you have something nice to say to another person, you have no idea how much that could make an impact in their life. Yeah. And it's just so important to say that because you can literally like, change the course of the trajectory of their life just by sharing one nice compliment. And it's, it happens all the time. Isn't it crazy? That's the thing, right? We're all out here like, ah, oh, yeah, it, you know, change the world. And it really does. It really is that simple because yeah. it's, it's through connection and it's through a conversation, it's through a comment. It's through, it's where these things actually matter. Yeah. Um, what you say, your words, they make a difference. And I mean, we could go off on that for a while, but just to recognize what I love, though, is that just, that just comes out of your story. And we see that now as some sort of a turning point to help you go, whoa, maybe, maybe I can, mm-hmm. maybe I should yeah. do this. Yep. And yet still living with this sort of, you know, bass note humming of like, mm, but am I enough? But mm. yeah. How do I prove this? And that leads you into this career kind of trajectory that you said on the up and up and up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so as you step into that, you, your experience in those roles in that career, uh, was, uh, you said unfulfilled. I was still lacking fulfillment. Uh, yeah. what did you experience to, to lead to that, to sort of influence that lack of fulfillment? I think, you know, I, so I had started in this, in this, what really led into a sales career. And, you know, I started off as an account manager and then moved into sales and grew in sales and got promoted in sales and was doing that for a long time and had the kind of on paper career that I thought was what was going to prove my worth and making good money and all those different types of things. Yet I still felt this very deep anxiety. And we talk about, you know, things like the Sunday scaries and that dread. I just had that times a thousand and I Mm. would just dread those Monday mornings. And then going back into the selfish, feeling selfish that I felt that way because I have this great career. I'm making a lot of money from a young age. I'm doing really well. Why do I feel this way? I should be more appreciative. And that really kept me trapped in a cycle for a long time because I kept telling myself, you're asking for too much. You're being yeah. selfish. This or that, and it still just kept bubbling up. The anxiety, the stress, the oh my god, I have to go to work again. Oh my god, when's my next vacation? Oh my god, how much longer can I really do this for? And it really just came to a point where the thoughts became so consuming that I said, I can't do this anymore. I can't bear this to be the next one year, five year, ten years of my life, whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. And I really freaking need a change at this point. So that became like my breaking point. Yeah. Um, How long ago was that? That was, I had to be like four years ago. Yeah. What was the, like when you think of like the Sunday scaries, like, oh, I got to go. When you thought, when you thought of, 
I can't go, I, I don't want to go to work tomorrow. Like what was the actual, you know, what are those fears? What were you afraid of? What did you not want to step into? Such a good question. I think that there was just almost still this degree of feeling like not necessarily faking it, but like I didn't fit in. In sales, you you're around a lot of really big personalities and you know, there's a lot of pressure hitting your quota, all these things. And it was really high stress for me. I was always worried I wasn't going to hit my quota. I was always comparing myself to other sellers. And I just, I still kind of felt to a degree like I was faking it and Mm -hmm. that I just wasn't kind of as good enough as everybody else. Like there was a lack of authenticity in what I was doing. Um, and I think that was what like kept the nagging feeling keeping coming up and like that feeling of dread. Yeah. From- Isn't that incredible how that like inauthenticity will kill you? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It, it's, it seems like such a get over it. What do you mean? Inauthent- yeah. You've got a paycheck, right? That's it's the on paper, like you say, and yet there's something to be said about purpose, about soul, about like, can I show up here? Do I feel real? Can I say what's on my mind? Do I like these people? It all matters to the human experience. It does. It absolutely does. But you see that it's undervalued. Oh, yeah. Wildly yeah. in the workplace. Wildly. Yeah. Yeah. I- I mean, I think authenticity is the key to happiness and success in every facet of life. And I think it's the reason why so many people are unhappy in their careers, in their relationships, in their health and wellness, whatever category it is, because they're trying to be a version of themselves that they're not. And when that often, when that lack of authenticity keeps, keeps going on, pervades or whatever the word might be, it just, it eats away at you. High-achieving entrepreneurs and public speakers, this is for you. You know that you've got something important to do here, but why in the world are you doing it? And even if you know why, how do you talk about that? That's why I'm so excited to invite you into my one-on-one story coaching process. Through this three-month journey, we will go into intensive sessions to uncover your story, turn it into a message that matters, and then create content specific to your context and business today. I have worked with dozens of clients that have experienced major transformation through this experience, and more importantly, have discovered the transformation that they have already gone through in their life. Because when you know how you have transformed, you can communicate that so your audience knows how you can transform them too. Look, 96% of consumers buy based on emotions. And if storytelling is our greatest tool to spark an emotional response, then you better learn to tell your story today. And one-on-one story coaching is the best way to do it. Go to alexstreet.ca to get the conversation started or reach out to me on Instagram at streetsays and say, I'm interested in one-on-one. Let's talk. Would I love... As you say that, this is the point, right? This is so phenomenal because if we just put that as a soundbite, which, you know, very well might be it. We put it on Instagram and there's your soundbite. That's great because that's just killer. And and I, yes, like shout it from the rooftops. But it means so much more because we just, you know, 12 minutes ago got this insight into, oh, that's your life story. Mm -hmm. You, You were 
being somebody that you weren't. You were trying to show up as somebody that you're not for yeah. some reason. Like you've experienced this inauthenticity, this sense of imposter. Um, and so for you to say that now is such a, an incredible transformation in itself. And, and we recognize that now. And it's it's just, you know, I nerd out on this, obviously, but that is the story. That's the power of it is now I get this full insight into you and why you would say such a thing like that. That sounds like, oh, great. Nice tweet. Yeah, right. Authenticity is the key to everything. Of course. No, yeah. no, because I've been there. Yeah. I've lived the imposter life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it leads nowhere exactly yeah so yeah. you choose to leave you get to this point four years ago where you're like nope what's that situation like is that is that run in like you know throw your computer on the floor and smash the photocopier total office space moment or like what is it i, I wish it was kind of that cool <laughs> moment, but it wasn't really so there was a lot kind of like leading up to it. I had made a number of job changes and pivots kind of thinking that would be my fix, but it was mm. really just a quick fix that led nowhere. Um, and I ended up kind of was like a, my first foray into the world of personal development. I went to this like very intensive seminar that a friend had recommended to me. It was like three days, 30 hours mm -hmm. and I had never, I was always like a yes person where I would try different things, but I had never done anything like this before. And I think it was like a light bulb moment for me in the sense of, wow, you have way more control than you give yourself credit for. You don't have to stay doing this if you're unhappy. Like there are other options out there because I think I felt so trapped. And that kind of just like opens me up into an entirely different world where I started really just doing a lot of introspection and really thinking what does make me happy? What could make me feel more fulfilled? And just talking to a ton of people and yeah. thinking, do I go back to school? Do I do this? All these different things. And that's kind of how I discovered the world of coaching mm -hmm. where I just like, it was like something clicked for me. And kind of from there, that's kind of where it all built. Went to get certified and started like slowly building out my business, side hustle, all that good stuff. And yeah. yeah. And now we're here. It's funny how the story just sort of eh, trails yeah. off, right? <laughs> here. Here, we're, we're, we're all done. Yeah. Well, exactly. Because, because, and I think part of it is because we started there. We started at the end and then, and then filled it in, uh, kind of backfilled it there. But there's something, again, marvelous and magical about this that is exactly what people need to hear who are, again, not only finding themselves in your story, but um, know somebody who is in a story like this, right? So uh, as I hear all of that, essentially, you know, if I were to put this together, there's, here you are showing up today as a, you said millennial success coach, success yeah. coach, brilliant. Um, and you said helping people feel aligned uh, in who they are. And I would, I would add to that or invite you to add to that or or maybe even shift that towards authentic then maybe that's either way it's an overused word but it's if it's pure to this which it is then it's there so helping people feel for the sake of this i'm going to say authentic I like that. And here you yeah. are authentic every day and the story then becomes uh you know I'm, I'm helping you feel this because i get it right now you feel like an imposter 
right? Mm -hmm. I've been there most of my life. I was told that I was somebody that I didn't feel like I was. And I tried to show up then and be this person that others expected me to be for so many years and to try to fit into their expectation, their definition of me. And it never felt real and got to the point where I, I, I made all the moves and went up the ladders and did all the things and all the successful things on paper, which looked good to other people. But inside I was breaking apart because it wasn't me, which got me to the point where I finally said, there's gotta be something else. And as I was in a room with people who were focused on me and asking, you know, what could I do with other coaches in the room with me? Mm-hmm. I discovered that I am here to be my most authentic self and to help you do the same. Love it. Right? Yours is a story from imposter to authentic and you're helping millennials do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Does that feel true, aligned, real, authentic? So true. So aligned. And yeah, I love what you said too, that it really is like alignment really is authenticity. That, mm-hmm. That's is because when we feel super aligned, we feel like we're really leaning into our most authentic self. So that yeah. really is about. It is fascinating because again, like in the research that I did for for my work, you know, just for those listening that that wouldn't know, you know, we could categorize millennials. I'm right on the like upper edge of millennials at thirty or thirty eight, um, which goes down to probably what is it twenty five now, twenty four if we're really doing that. At 26, something like that. Yeah. And then Gen Z would be about that. It's mm-hmm. it's really born, you know, 2012, uh, or sorry, tw- 99 to 2012, basically, or 97 to 2012 is Gen Z. Um, and so you've got like 25 down to yeah, nine years old or something like that. And so uh, the research that I did around that age really was right around like 18 to 25 year olds. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The word that kept coming up, one of the specific things that I would ask is like, what's the most important thing to you in whatever organization you're a part of? And of course, it's not surprising. It was authentic yeah. or authenticity. Mm-hmm. It kept showing up. And even if they weren't answering that question specifically, it would come up in like, I just really appreciated how authentic this person was yeah. or what they really valued in me was my authenticity or whatever. Like, right. It just kept showing up. Yeah. What is that? What just, just, you know, leave us kind of in that place. Why maybe we've hit on this, but what does that mean to the world? If, if you Mm -hmm. and I, and all of these people that you're working with are able and encouraged to show up as this true, you know, authentic, pure, real version of ourselves with no filter. I think it just leads to more connected relationships. I just think that when you are able to show up as your most authentic self and kind of lean in to your confidence and your skills and your full personality, it just elevates relationships in a different way. And it makes interaction and communication in those relationships so different, right? Because nobody's trying to fake it and be Mm. someone that they're not. And I mean, you think about like, going on a first date, right? And when you're trying to kind of fake it and be this person, like they're literally meeting an imposter version of yourself and that never ends up going well, right? right? So I think it's, I think that's what it's about. I think it's just like creating more genuine connections and more genuine relationships and like the world survives and thrives on connection. So in order yeah. to have those genuine connections, we need the authenticity behind it. So to me, I mean, to me, that's really what it is about and why it's so pivotal. Mm. 
the world survives and thrives on connectivity. And in order to have that connection, we need authenticity. Yes. That yes. is brilliant. <laughs> I just yeah. needed to say it twice. I needed to say it a lot. That is it. I mean, uh, again, you look at what's the motivation behind what you do. It's it's more clear than ever. Uh, if you were to say to me, you know, I'm just helping anybody find the career they love, they love, I would say, oh, yeah, great. Of course, that makes sense. Stop showing up as, you know, somebody you're not. Start showing up authenticity in your work. Find fulfillment. That makes mm -hmm. sense. The fact that you do narrow this down, niche this down to specifically millennials who, as we've said, have been, this is the story of their their experience in this society yeah. is feeling like there's pressure to perform. Right. And in that, we don't know who we are. Help mm -hmm. us define our, like, can we define ourselves? Yeah. And in that effort, now showing up more authentic than ever and whether they're getting flack for it or we're losing jobs because of it or we're creating million dollar you know, personal brands because of yeah. it. It's part of who we are. And yeah. you're stepping in and saying, your story is my story. Let me help you. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's, yeah, the relatability. Like I, you know, I like, I think that my clients like can, they, they've had that there's that relatability and there's that yeah. sense of, oh, she gets it. She's been there before. And you know, and I do. And that's, it's really important to me that people know that so many of us experience this and so many of us go through those feelings and, you know, it's normal, you know, yeah. there's, there's a level of validation that's needed and that there are ways to overcome it. And there are ways to find your authentic self and your authentic career, your authentic relationship, whatever it might be. Well, and here's, here's the bow. Let <laughs> yeah. me put it on at this time in history. Yeah. Right. That's what's so amazing about this. You look yeah. at historical fiction. Well, here we are following a, a generation through this time in history. And here is your unique story, mm -hmm. Eliana, following through saying this has been my experience all along the way. And and you brought us in. I mean, thank you for for opening that up, for for taking us into you as a high schooler and all of that and seeing this journey. Um, it's, it's truly remarkable and I'm so thankful for what you're doing and how you're helping people today. So really thankful. Thank you. This was like a therapy session. I loved every minute of it. It was amazing. <laughs> it's so good. That's the story work right there. Okay. So people obviously, uh, you know, who feel like an imposter and want to feel authentic, uh, in, in their career, in their life, they're going to want to connect with you now. So what's the best way to do that and to start a conversation? Connect with me on Instagram, you know, my millennial and Gen Z folk out there, social media. Um, but it's just my name, Eliana Goldstein, and TikTok as well for my Gen Zers, especially. Um, also just my name. But shoot me a message on Instagram. I love to hear from you guys. I love to connect and like build community there. So I would say social media channels, always the best. Fabulous. I'm with you there. That's where we live. So, so good. Thank you. Uh, I'm truly grateful for your time here today. This was so much fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening. This has been No Boring Stories. I am Alex Street, and we are just getting started. I'd love to know what you thought of this conversation, so please feel free to reach out to me on my website, on Instagram, or in the Fearless Speakers Academy and share your thoughts. 
In the meantime, honor this conversation, go out in your life and tell a better story today. We'll see you next time.